Well, hello there. Welcome back to Bitch Prince, the podcast for career-driven, independent women looking for ways to provide themselves with a little self-care in between playing all of the roles in their life that society expects of them. We're in it together, ladies. It's not creepy when another lady says ladies, right? Ladies. Ladies. That's still kind of creepy. I have been on a reading roll lately. I'm usually always a bookworm, but there are times where I have a little dry spell and can't really bring myself to stare at words on paper after work. But then I also have times where it's like I cannot put down books. I have to be reading at all times and I don't even want to watch any TV at all, which is kind of crazy because I love movies and TV. And I've kind of been in that zone for a while as my form of escapism during this quarantine time. If anyone wants any book recommendations, hit me up on Instagram. It's at Mallory.Blaine, M-A-L-L-O-R-Y dot B-L-A-Y-N-E. The Y is my parents doing. I wasn't trying to be cool. They just wanted to name me after one of our relatives and they didn't want to name me Blanche. So Blaine it is. So at Mallory Blaine, Mallory.Blaine, I would love to give some book recommendations because I've been reading like a crazy person. But I have started to kind of wean out of my productive phase and I have been feeling a little less guilty about being a little bit more lazy. I think at first, knowing that all I could really do was stay home, the idea of sitting in bed and watching TV didn't become this normalcy of how it's like, oh, yay, I'm done with work. I just get to relax in bed and veg out. Vegging out didn't really seem as much of a treat when you literally didn't have the option to leave your house. Like, I mean, bear with me as an ambivert here and to my other ambiverts and also introverts, I kind of love canceling plans sometimes. And some of my best friends, we really just understand that about each other that don't schedule something with me on a Friday because I'm probably going to be done with work and exhausted from a full 40 plus hour work week, working that eight to five, nine to six, whatever. And I'm going to text you and say, uh, we could go out or I could put on my pajamas and watch TV and not do fucking anything tonight. (laughs) That happens all too frequently for me on Friday nights. But when we can't leave our house at all, There's not that natural high of canceling plans. There's really no exciting reward. So it really wasn't feeling good for me. So I really haven't been watching a ton of TV at first or Netflix, movies, whatever, because I just thought that if I start this right off the bat, it might kind of increase my depression a little bit. So I really have been a bookworm. But within the past week, now that the quarantine has become, I don't, I don't want to say normal, but I've accepted it a little bit more and I don't feel the need to be productive or to be doing something and I've let myself relax a little bit. That guilt of watching TV and that fear of getting depressed has lessened a little. I am still trying to be creative and read a lot because it does make me a happier person if I spend four hours reading a book instead of four hours watching a Netflix show that I'm not even invested in. You know, we all do that. I'm not saying binging your favorite shows. I'm saying just turning something on for the sake of turning it on and then you're actually looking at your cell phone the whole time. It it gets really depressing, especially at a time when we are only stuck indoors. So while my guilt has gone down, I do still try to read the majority of the time. 
because it does make me feel happier. But I've definitely leaned more on, you know what, I need some escapism where I do nothing. I recently was watching uh, Lord of the Rings. (laughs) It's such a good escapism and it's four hours per video or per movie of just absolute wonderful fantasy. I probably haven't watched Lord of the Rings in at least five years. So it felt so good. I don't know why it's comforting to watch Two Towers and see this giant orc battle, but it is. It just really relaxes me and brings me comfort in my own home. Along with watching Lord of the Rings and other nerdy binge-worthy movies that are super long, I have actually just kind of gone back and stopped looking for new stuff. I think that's Part of the issue as well is that I'm always like, well, I have to watch the latest new thing or new movie. And I've forgotten how much some of the older movies really do make me feel happy. And instead of thinking I'm wasting my time by watching movies I've already seen, letting myself go into that escapism with content I already know brings happiness to my heart. So I actually recently watched The Devil Wears Prada. I have probably watched this movie 50 times, but I can't tell you the last time I watched it. The Devil Wears Prada is really special for me because growing up, I really did want to be some kind of fashion merchandiser or fashion magazine writer. That was honestly my huge career goal for probably at least a decade of my childhood. When this movie came out, it was literally me on screen. I have been told that I can look like Anne Hathaway a little bit. I can see it when I'm wearing a hat and some lipstick. But in this movie, I really do look a lot like her just because how she is styled is similar to how I'm usually styled. I don't just look like Anne Hathaway. But when she styles herself a certain way that I do, there's some similarities, I guess. I hope I don't sound completely conceited there. But watching this character again and really seeing myself through her and know, sometimes also kind of seeing myself through Miranda Breezley, you know, you got to be tough in this business world. It just took me back to this old place of like being 14 and having these intense dreams to go to New York and be fashionable and dress like that all the time, 24-7. And while fashion is still very important to me, very, very much so, even in quarantine, at least halfway through the day, I try to change into an outfit that makes me feel good. I really do have fashion as part of my identity. But as an ambivert, the idea for me now of waking up and getting that ready with the heels and the lipstick and the yada yada and having to look that good every day, that sounds freaking exhausting and was probably just 14-year-old Mallory wanting to like dress up a little bit. But watching this movie felt so freaking good. Of course, it is a movie about a woman who is from a small town and who goes to New York with her boyfriend and is trying to find her way in the journalism world. She only really goes to the fashion industry and goes to Runway Magazine, which is supposed to be like Anna Winters Magazine is supposed to be like Vogue. When I started to watch the movie, I had all the little feel-good butterflies in my stomach between the job and the career in New York and, I mean, of course, the freaking clothes. I was still wear 99% of the clothes in that movie. They still look amazing and hold up today, even though I'm sure a lot of fashion professionals would cringe at that. 
I like reusing fashion. Sustainable fashion, everyone. Woo-woo. What I also found while watching The Devil Wears Prada for the millionth time, but years into the future as an adult and as a career-driven woman, even though I'm in a different career now, I was really shocked at the amount of red flags I saw from the people around Andy, the main character. Her name's Andrea, but they call her Andy. And that is Anne Hathaway's character. I was just honestly floored and blown away by how shitty everyone else was around her. Everyone always kind of makes remarks and critiques the amazing performance that you see with Miranda Priestly, But there were just so many more toxic people around Andy than only the people in her workplace. And even though obviously there are some huge flaws with that kind of a workplace, there is this sense of it's the flipping fashion industry and you're like top of the line reporting to an Anna Winter type character. Like it's going to be intense and it's not going to be the best emotionally stimulating career if you want to get to the top. And that is a reality of living in those worlds. But then you see your friends who I feel like were not critiqued at all and it just really took me back. So during all of my escapism here and watching Devil Wears Prada, I really thought that it would be valuable to kind of talk through that and go over the Devil Wears Prada red flags with my bitch prince lovelies because there is so much to learn here from when you're a younger person, uh, especially I'm only 28, so it hasn't been that long since I felt like I was kind of scraping by to just get any kind of job that I really wanted. Not, you know, dream job, of course, quite yet, but something that was actually fulfilling to me. And between this scraping, you do enter in a lot of toxic relationships, whether it's people outside of work or, of course, actual work people. You accept things while you try to get to the top and then you kind of look back and you're like, wow, house fucked up. So I thought I'd kind of take my experience re-watching Devil Wears Prada for the millionth time to check in with everyone, no matter what age you are, and make sure that you are using self-care while you're scraping by and trying to climb your way to the top here. So we're going to kind of dissect The Devil Wears Prada today. Feel free to pause right now and go re-watch The Devil Wears Prada if you don't remember everything. But it is such a good movie. It still holds up today, 110%. While I was remembering all of my old passions, watching this movie again, and really thinking about, wow, how I got to where I am today and how those passions changed, yet I can still feel that drive to be a fashionista and a writer like on that level. I was taking a look, not at Miranda Priestly, but I was taking a look at all of Andy's friends. So to break it down, Andy has three core people in her life. One is her GBF, her gay best friend. I'm assuming he's gay because he's also super obsessed with fashion. I could be projecting. But he is obviously a successful businessman of some kind because he wears a suit throughout the whole movie. But he's very into the fashion. And then her best friend that is a woman, she is an artist. She's a photographer. And she is, you know, obviously very talented as well. And finally, it's her boyfriend, Nate. We're going to talk about Nate a lot. And Nate's not a bad guy. Not here to hate on Nate. 
But Nate is a chef and he, or a sous chef, I can't remember, but one of the two. And he, obviously working in New York, is going to understand the bougie people. So you're around people, or Andy is around people, that should understand what it's like to scrape to the top, whether it's loving fashion but going into business like her GBF or her girl best friend, woman best friend, who is a photographer, which obviously that is an extremely competitive form of artwork and work, especially in New York City. And then even her boyfriend. It's being a chef or a cook is literally one of the hardest freaking jobs, both environmentally and to get to the top. It is not easy. And he's working for like a bougie restaurant. And he points that out later, but we'll get there. First thing that really bugged me was how quickly they were to make fun of Andy when she got this job. Obviously, Andy starts off not giving a shit about fashion. She really is just looking for a resume builder, a career builder, so she can do what she wants later on. There's this whole narrative during the entire film that if you can just make it one year as Miranda Priestley's assistant, then you can get a job anywhere. So she starts off the movie with this goal. It's not like she plans on working there for forever. And at first... You know, everyone kind of makes fun of it, but then it becomes her job. And of course, even though she might not still be obsessed with fashion, if she wants to be good at her job, she has to like it a little bit and invest in the actual fashion industry a little bit. You can't have a job and not care a little bit about the subject or the work you're doing, even if it's a minute detail. There's got to be something there that you will eventually find passion through or say, you know what, I was wrong. This is actually interesting. When it comes to anything in this world, but especially your career, you're allowed to change your mind. (laughs) Everyone is allowed to change their mind on things. You might think something stupid and then learn more about it and actually enjoy it. Everyone gets to, to do those things. And that's especially important to have people around you that would support that because In the working industry, you really have to make an effort, even if you're not in the industry or the market that you wanted to be to begin with, you've got to find a way to like where your career takes you. So maybe you need this job and you like the work, but you don't care about the industry. You still got to find a little nugget to make your day go by in a happy manner. So really, when Andy finally starts kind of embracing dressing up and using the closet, which I would love to fucking see that, the closet at the Runway Magazine to dress herself and look good and hot and and fashionable every day, she's really just trying to do the best at her job. And immediately, her friends start making fun of her. And I'm not saying just like teasing her and then they kind of let it go, because Everybody needs to be able to laugh at themselves. No, it's more relentless teasing. And she even, there's this whole scene where she gives them all gifts. And while she's giving them gifts, first, of course, her GBF and her girlfriend are also very excited to receive these gifts. They are totally about her job when they're receiving something from it. This whole time while Andy's giving gifts, Nate is just immediately making fun of all of them. And again, you gotta, it's your friend group, you gotta laugh at yourself. 
But Nate's kind of being kind of that douchebag hipster dude. You know, I'm sorry, but we all know him. And he's making fun of things that people are happy about. He's literally seeing a table of three people. He's the fourth. Three people with smiles on their faces. They are happy and they are in a good mood and everyone is feeling good. And he's just sitting there trying to make them all feel stupid and trying to be like, oh, well, you're so freaking silly. You really care about this? Yeah, there's times to kind of make that joke. But when you see your friends around you actually being happy, why are you trying to cut them down? And I have that issue with anything, whether it's your career or especially a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner of any gender. If they are someone, I've dated that person before in college, that continually finds joy or enjoys cutting you down or when you have a smile on your face and you're expressing something that you like or that just brings you joy and they immediately just turn around and decide to make a quote joke about it being stupid and giving you reasons why it's stupid and making fun of you for even finding happiness in this particular thing. That is insanely toxic, and that is way past being able to joke around with your friends or your partner and laugh at yourself. Everyone at this table is completely happy, including Andy, who just got off work, and she is in a good mood, she's giving gifts to her friends, and all you hear in the background is Nate trying to make all of them feel stupid, and not just with one remark, he keeps it going. If you stop laughing and that other person seeing that you're sad then went from happy to sad and that other person is still laughing, check that relationship because that shit's toxic. Number one, how many of you, raise your hands, have ever been called too much, especially when pursuing your career? You're too this, too that. You're too harsh. You're too loud. You work too much. I know we've all heard some semblance of this. Andy almost immediately gets told by her friends who are in their own career that she is working and doing too much and she's being too fashionable and she's too this now and oh, she went from this one person to this other person and they don't, that's too much of this other side of a person. It's insane. As someone who has many different sides and facets to my personality and things I like, it drove me absolutely insane to watch. Unless you are outwardly being an evil person to someone, you are not too much when you are pursuing your goals. There is a joke made by one of Andy's coworkers that when your life goes up in flames, let me know because then you'll deserve a promotion. And I get that in the fashion industry, That might be true, even though that isn't great. But I didn't see this from Andy at all. She knew that she had to stick it out for one year. One year. And that's really a long time if you're in a toxic like place, for sure. But in the retrospect, it's not that long. It's one year that she's going to like be a workaholic. And she is there for a reason. Even though she is not a natural fashionista, She's becoming one, one, to just actually not hate her life every day and to actually succeed at what she's doing. What is the point of her going to this job every day if she's not going to try to sort of fit the part and the mold a little bit? What would be the point? 
And again, it's only for one year and her end goal is to then get to a publication in New York that she is passionate about, to write about subject matter that she does find value in. But in order to get there, she's got to scrape and she is scraping right now. And instead of her boyfriend and her friends helping her out, all they do is keep asking from her and telling her that she is too much or too this or too that. And it gets so toxic so fast, especially since she's doing this for a reason to get to another place. There is a goal in mind and there is an end date in mind. Just like bear with her for a minute. I don't know about you guys, but I've never had that specific of a goal of, oh, I'm just going to get this job and then in one year I'm going to switch over and I can quit and I'm going to get the other job that I want. Her goals are really damn specific and her friends can't even respect that. I've never been that direct in my career path for sure. So step one, I was always already like, wow, what is up with this? And how can Andy talk to her friends to kind of be like, what the hell? Like, chill out. Even her friend, who is an amazing photographer, she knows this kind of industry. And it shocked me that she still didn't get it. Obviously, Andy's boyfriend, Nate, works probably crazy hours. He's a cook or a chef. Those are like some of the most grueling hours. How he's magically always available for like midnight drinks or even like 11 o'clock drinks. Or I don't know, sometimes it looks like they're just drinking right after work at like 5 p.m. happy hour. Isn't that like your busiest time if you're a cook? I want to know how the hell Nate has so much damn time on his hands, first of all. But even with her best friend, who really is part of this artistic industry. So she should recognize that the fashion thing isn't frivolous. It's not at all. And she does photography, which some other people might not understand that artwork, which I personally think is crazy to not understand. But she's in the same creative idea space. You know, they're all creatives. And it just starts feeling like, man, does everyone just get to be successful besides Andy? Because her friend is single, she gets to be successful. Because Nate is a cook, he gets to be successful and fashion's too frivolous. It just really started getting kind of weird and personal. Especially, again, again, I'll reiterate, since Andy had an end goal of eventually leaving, it's not like she had decided she wanted to do this for forever. She just needed a year. And her friends and loved ones couldn't even be there for her for a year. She wasn't really asking them to support her financially or emotionally, which a lot of people at that age do have to ask for financial help or more emotional help. No, she was just asking them to be understanding when her schedule was crazy. That's it. And they couldn't even do that for her. And that was so weird to me for two people who you would think would have the similar experience of having crazy hours, having a crazy schedule, and needing to put way a lot more of yourself into your work than some other career paths. Another thing that immediately bothered me about her photographer friend is the conversation they had about her changing. You've changed, Andy. This isn't the Andy I know. Look at you. You don't even look the same. Okay. Okay. Again, Chica, she's trying to dress the part. And yeah, you've got to immerse yourself a little bit. And if she wanted to survive in her freaking fashion environment, she needed to look good. And okay, this was said after Andy was flirting with this guy for one second. 
But she was flirting with him at this public event for two seconds. She is not a cheater. She hasn't actually done anything wrong. If she saw her flirting, she could have been like, dude, Andy, what are you doing over there? Why are you flirting with that guy? I feel like if it were me and my friends, we know we're loyal people. Wouldn't you think her friend would know she's a loyal person? And if I saw my friend at a boozy art show and someone like was kind of flirting, I would have gone up to her and been like, who the hell was that? And like kind of made a joke out of it. And then maybe at the end been like, hey, just watch yourself. Because if your boyfriend would have come in right now, they probably would have been like, why are you talking to that random hot guy and batting your eyelashes? But first off, I would have probably made a joke about it and been like, that dude was freaking hot. How do you know him? <laughs> so for her friend to just immediately slam her and then to say, Ugh, you're changing. It was so weird to me. So as a self-care to all of my lovely career women that are listening right now, if you are in the midst of your career path and you are working your ass off and someone comes to you and is saying, oh, you're not giving me enough. You're not giving me enough time. Obviously, you need to respect other people's time and not miss out on certain events that are important or do a bad job of communicating things. You know, don't blow people off. But she wasn't blowing people off. She had to work a lot and she had to work weird hours. And yeah, she couldn't go to as many happy hours with her friends, but she was there at her friend's art show. And she really still did things that were special for her friends. She was showing up in the best way she could at that time, trying to reach her own goals. And her friends got a little toxic with asking for her time. And even with Nate, I'm sorry, Nate, (laughs) I don't give a fuck about your birthday. (laughs) There's this whole scene where he gets so sassy because she couldn't make it to his birthday party. Are you five? She still showed up at the end of the night with a cute little cupcake saying, I'm sorry. And she obviously still cares. If you're in a serious relationship, yeah, you need to make sure that you're still giving your partner attention. But part of a relationship is the give and take. And if one of you needs to pursue a career at this time for a year, again, I cannot stress enough, it was only one year and that was set in stone. She legit said, just help me and support me, not financially, not emotionally, but just not give me total shit for being busy as hell for one year and not being 100% present for one year. And this is in a long-term relationship, and he still couldn't do that. He made fun of her the whole way, made her feel like shit, and was kind of emotionally abusive in that sense, and then still expected all of her attention. And if she wavered for one second, he was pissed. Nate was definitely a little bit of a narcissist. He was 100% a narcissist. And, like, get over your birthday. And if you're a chef... Obviously, you cook for bougie people, and that is a tough job. And working in a kitchen can be very emotionally abusive and obviously stressful. So why the hell is he so judgy? And it seemed to be that he was so judgy just because of going back to the beginning, he thought fashion was stupid. Well, sorry, Nate, but it's a very serious industry. And obviously, the way that your girlfriend has to work her ass off every day shows that it's a serious industry. So she's working her ass off. And even though you don't love the fashion industry, Nate, you should respect that that's where she's at right now and stop being so damn judgy. She clearly respects that he's a chef. 
So if she didn't agree in being a chef, should she be a shithead to him every time that he had to close late and didn't get home till 1 a.m.? It just was insane how judgy he was because his own narcissism wasn't getting enough attention and because he didn't think the industry was good enough. And, you know, back off, dude. She's doing her best and she's doing what she needs to get to the next place in her career. So that immediately bothered me. But going back to her friend saying, oh, you're changing. Ladies, if anyone gets mad at you because you are changing, not in a toxic way, if, you know, you still have to check in with yourself and make sure that the change is good change. Therapy is great, everyone. Everyone changes and you have to kind of sift out the good and the bad and therapy helps you do that. But we're talking career here. So if you're career focused right now, and you are maybe changing a little bit in your habits and how much you're available, how much you can give to all of your friends, and maybe your likes and your dislikes and what you find important in the world is changing because of this new industry that you're involved in. You're changing, and that is okay. And if anyone of your friends starts to literally hate you and start coming at you for changing, that is a toxic situation. The people around you should celebrate your growth. If you aren't changing, you aren't growing. And so you aren't going to be making those strides in your career. We all kind of stay the same core amount of people. And in my head in this movie, Andy still did stay the core person. She never did anything actually wrong to anyone around her. She didn't do anything to Nate but miss one of his birthday parties. She didn't do anything to her friends but not be as available. And there was actually no one that she actively did this specific thing that caused this huge rift. She really did not. And I mean, you know, let me know. Hit me up. Direct message me if you think I'm wrong. But there was not one thing where it was like, ah, shit, Andy. You did this one thing that was really fucked up. She didn't. She didn't even hook up with the hot guy until after her and Nate broke up. And that was a one-time thing. And like a badass bitch, the second he called her babe and was like, being an asshole about runway, she immediately was like, mm, I'm not your babe. Bye. Thanks for the one night stand. We're done here. She was in control of herself the entire time, even while everyone around her was just judging her for just really trying to get ahead of her, her career in a maybe non-conventional way for the type of content. But it's really not that crazy as a writer to write for some kind of magazine that has nothing to do with the type of writing you want to do in the future. That's like extremely common, if not the majority's experience. So it, it just was so weird for them, in my opinion, to, to have these opinions on her. But really, I want to check in with all of you and say, if you have friends where you give and give and give to your friends and they only criticize you back and in a moment where you're just asking for them to be understanding, you're not even asking for them to give you anything, give you time, give you attention, give you support. You're really just saying, hey, support me by not hating that I'm going to be a little bit busy right now. Then they're a little bit toxic. And if your friends are hounding you because you're changing a little bit on the outside or maybe even your beliefs or what you like or like or dislike are changing and they are immediately just like, mm, what's wrong with you? You're not exactly the same person you were five years ago. Newsflash. 
Nobody is. And if anyone wants to grow in their career, they do have to change a little bit. They have to change interests. They have to change priorities. Things freaking change. And anyone who knows you at your core isn't going to make you feel like shit for making those changes to reach your goals. Now, the biggest thing is how do you really talk about this? Andy didn't do a good job of communicating to her friends and her boyfriend, hey, this isn't making me feel good. Instead, she kind of fueled the toxic relationship by trying to overcompensate with the gifts and with the cupcake on his birthday. And she kind of fell on her sword a little bit. So this is my banner for all of you. Do not fall on your sword. Just because people are unhappy with you doesn't necessarily mean you are 100% doing something wrong. They could be, like Nate, kind of a narcissist. So check in with yourself and weigh your goals and do a little bit better of a job than Andy did with communicating with your friends and your loved ones. You know, I'm kind of slamming her friends, but it's not everyone's job to react the perfect way the first time. That is a huge part of any relationship, you know? You lean on each other in certain times. Everyone kind of takes turns doing that leaning. It only really gets toxic when, of course, only one person is doing the leaning. And if one person starts doing that leaning, like a lot of her friends were, that's when you need to really look into this relationship on a deeper level. I definitely formed a lot of relationships, even in high school, that kind of were a little toxic because of situations I was put in in my childhood where I was used to kind of being in these toxic special relationships where people needed me to fix them. And so I used to think that my only value in being a friend was being the group therapist and being able to help people and fix people. And if I couldn't do that, they wouldn't want to be my friend. That's the only value I brought. And when I finally realized that that is insane and toxic... I lost some friends, including a really good one who I thought I was super close to because I started asking for help and not even started asking for help. It was more of just, hey, I can't be at your every beck and call right now and I'm not asking you to solve my problems, but would you just like come do this fun thing with me? I need to lighten my spirits up. So I kind of started asking for help in really positive ways and not being there at their every break and call. And I I started putting up some boundaries because I realized what I was doing to myself was toxic. And I lost friends over it. And the same goes with Andy's friends. The second she's not 100% there for him, she's not the struggling writer who has a doesn't have a full-time job and is just freelance and has all this extra time. The second she's focused on her career, like everybody else in the group, they can't handle it because she's the one that's always there and free and available for them. And it's just, it's just so toxic and so absolutely unfair. One thing you can do is, of course, cut people out, <laughs> which I'm sorry, I'm honestly pretty damn good at. I, because of my own childhood experiences, That's just become something, you know, I set up boundaries and when they're disrespected the first time, I walk away because I I can't handle trying to foster relationships that start out toxic. That's just me. But if you have long-term friends and you're trying to pursue your career and things start changing, really try to have that conversation with them way, way better than Andy did. Again, do not fall on your sword because you're a person too and what you need and your career goals, even if you have to eat shit to meet them, 
It matters, and they need to just, at the least, be understanding. They don't have to do anything but just not give you shit and just be a little bit more understanding. So that's my biggest takeaway from the Devil Wears Prada is make sure that you really know how to communicate your needs and set up boundaries while you're climbing the career ladder so you don't have to lose friends. Because again, while they shouldn't be putting you in these toxic situations, it's not 100% their fault either if you're not communicating to them that this doesn't make you feel good and that you need them. If you do communicate that you need them and this relationship does need to alter because you are growing and therefore changing and they don't listen and they respond negatively, then then that is toxic and maybe you should separate yourself or cut them out. But don't do that right away, of course. Really try to communicate it because if they're really your friend and if they really care about you, they'll listen. When I was younger, probably I communicated that not in a great way because I was used to a yelling household and I didn't really know how to ask for help but to cry out for it. So kind of was bad at that. We're adults now. We're in our careers. If we can answer all of the bullshit emails we receive every day without our without getting on our fake nails and saying, um, as per my last email or did you check this attachment? <laughs> if we can handle all the stupid people we work with every day, we can be patient with our friends and try to work on that relationship. So you know, first off, make sure it's the relationship that you give and take, that if they're busy and need support or can't make it to big events, you're not going to hate on them and that they're going to do the same for you. That if you can't be as present, as long as you're not being rude and blowing them off and not communicating, that they'll be understanding. You need friends like that, that you both respect each other's life journey and career goals and what you need to do to get there. Life and careers are meant to be explored and you're going to grow and you're going to find new interests and new career paths. And if your friends immediately start making fun of you in a way that is just calling you stupid and calling what you like silly or saying, oh, you've changed, you didn't used to like that and being extremely judgy, that's, that's not a true friend and that's not someone you want having your back while you're trying to go up the career ladder. What you really want to visualize is something that Andy mentions to her friends in The Devil Wears Prada. She mentions that all these women that work at Runway and show up in their super high heels, they call them the clackers. Those are those women that they are making fun of at the beginning of the movie that Andy kind of becomes a little bit, are the clackers. Of course, because they're successful, strong, maybe cold shoulder women who look badass and have a resting bitch face stare because they are busy getting shit done, of course they have a silly name. Uh, Because if men pursue, when men pursue a career, oh, well, duh, of course they're pursuing a career. But when a woman pursues it, it's negative and we have to find a way to cut her down and make her feel silly. So why not make fun of them by, oh, you're wearing high heels? Well, you're just one of the clackers. So annoying. I mentioned in a previous episode that I did have a college boyfriend that used to make fun of the way some of my shoes would clack and hated it, and I freaking loved it, and I still love it. It makes me feel present, so be like the clackers, be present, and if someone makes fun of you, especially if it's your friend, um, sorry, not sorry, I'm awesome at my freaking career, and that entails these hot-ass shoes that I can walk in and you can't, like, I just, there's no 
bad career and there's no bad way to look like a career woman or act like a career woman. You get to do whatever you want as a career woman. If you wear sweats, you're a career woman. If you wear high heels, you're a career woman. How you are dressing especially if you work from home, doesn't determine your success or your stupidity in the industry you're in or anything. It's just so ridiculous and goes back to a huge societal issue of constantly judging women by their clothing. We don't judge men by how good they looked or how well their hair was done that day. And women are constantly judged by the visual instead of their brains. So fuck them. We're going to start this thing I kind of said in our Bon Appetit episode, the not today Martha Stewart, uh, when you come home from work and it's like, hey, I don't feel like cooking. I worked a ton of hours too. Here comes some instant rice. Not today, Martha Stewart. Another saying we're going to have on this podcast is hashtag fuck off energy. If you feel good in your skin and you're feeling good in your job and your career and someone immediately, especially a friend, gets judgy. Hashtag fuck off energy. Like, fine. You know what? Go ahead. Make fun of me. Be a total societal bullshitter and totally fall into that societal crap of making fun of me because I dress this way to go to work or I work in this certain industry or I'm just a woman who is a career woman in general. You know what? Fuck off energy. So give some fuck off energy if anyone's been on your ass lately with your work because it is absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. For women that work in their own homes, I'm sure that can happen even more so in terms of respecting time. When you're not going to an office, I'm sure it's harder um, because those expectations of being a woman at home is, oh, but you're home, so maybe you could clean more and cook more. No, I'm at work still. This is still my time. And we talked about that a little bit in the other episode of how to really communicate with roommates or partners of, I may be at home right now, but I'm still working. This is still a nine to six, eight to five zone. And I can't, you know, get your stuff in my face and randomly chit chat like I'm still working. I'm not here for you and I'm not here for the house. I'm here for my work. It's work hours. That's at least been an issue for me as far as I'm definitely someone, I'm a woman that does kind of have that womanly touch, quote unquote, and I have to really express and we all have to express, hey, um, I'm more than an empathetic woman with good nurturing traits, (laughs) okay? Uh, That comes naturally to me. That's great. I'm glad I make you feel good, but I'm also a career woman and you need to respect Every facet of it, whether you think it is stupid or not, friends, boyfriends, partners, what have you. So when the movie ends, Devil Wears Prada, Andy has quit and she is still able to get a pretty good job in New York. And what really made me, I think, sorry, but hate Nate at the end while I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm just going to like give him the benefit of the doubt. Stupid hipsters be stupid hipsters. You know what happens? Was at the end when he said, she goes, oh, I have a job now, a new job, and I like it, and it's I'm actually writing what I want to write. And then he's like, well, <clears throat> I might have a job to be a chef in Boston. And she's like, oh, well, maybe I could come to Boston if that happens. And so immediately after six months of Andy scraping at this job that she didn't really want, but she was pursuing so she could eventually 
earn the right in this tough, tough journalism world to be able to say, look, I have experience. I can write what I want to write right now. She was trying to get to this goal. And all Nate did the entire time was make her feel like shit and make her feel guilty and literally make fun of her and not make anything easy on her. And at the end of the movie, he asks her to move to Boston for him. Also, I can just literally change my whole dream of moving to New York from a small town and go to Boston with you for your career. But you can't just like be understanding for me for one year while I just work through this shit job to get to where I actually want to be in my career. It's just, it was just so illogical and insane to me and so narcissistic. It just blew my fucking mind. And when she was all flirty, like, oh, Boston, like, don't get me wrong. Boston's fucking amazing. I have one of my best friends that live there. But I just wanted to yell at her, like, give him some fuck off energy right now. Like, no, no, don't be, no, <laughs> you're just supporting him again when no, he didn't support you. It, it just blew my mind. So 100, 100%, make sure you're communicating with your close friends and loved ones so that hopefully it doesn't become a toxic relationship and that you'll be there for each other as you support your career and you can still be independent and also still support each other while everybody changes and grows. I would like to just say as a quick note, of course, the workplace of Runway was intense. And I know that that is kind of expected in the fashion industry, but I am definitely not saying you should accept a mentally unhealthy workplace. I've totally been there and I've accepted it because I thought, oh, I just need to deal with this. And then, you know, maybe one day someone will be nice to me. No. No. I mean, in the workplace, the shit comes before the sunshine and everyone has to work hard and sacrifice, whether it is getting extra schooling and getting your master's or your PhD or working a shitty desk job. It all happens and we all have to go through those shit moments, usually in our early to mid-20s, to get to the career that we really want and actually even really get on the starting path to the career that we really want. We got to have those awful moments and your partner should respect that journey. So Nate didn't respect that journey. It really pissed me off. <laughs> so that's my little closing, half escapism, half self-care as a career woman with your friends based on the Devil Wears Prada. I got to give a quick shout out for our weekly shout out um, to an amazing woman, one of my friends. Uh, her name is Brittany Kohler. I got to give her a shout uh, and a Complete shout out to all of the doctors and nurses. Brittany is a doctor. Her husband is also a doctor, and he has been very much on the front lines of this coronavirus situation. And they have a beautiful little baby girl who I am her auntie, not blood, but you know, I love her so much. And they're an amazing little family, but I want to just do a shout out to her because not only is she an amazing doctor and we need to be giving huge props to all of our doctor and nurse friends and family and loved ones right now in this time, but I also just have always, you know, really respected her for how much she is, like, almost it seems like without effort get, knows how to be every version of Brittany. I've never really seen her sacrifice herself, whether it's party Brittany or wife Brittany, or mom Brittany, or Dr. Brittany, she's always been able to do it all. And 
I don't know if it's just like within doctors to be able to spread themselves so thin because that's part of the careers like functioning off of no sleep and being one of the most knowledgeable people in a room. Maybe that just shows that she's a great doctor because she can do that naturally and that's part of her personality, but never ceases to amaze me. So all the doctors and nurses out there, but especially my female friends and loved ones, uh, shout out to you guys. And again, if you guys want to touch base with me, if you've got any corrections or have any topics that you want to hear about in the upcoming weeks, feel free to shoot me some suggestions or some notes, whatever. My Instagram, again, is at Mallory.Blaine. So just hit me up. And until then, keep your fuck off energy levels high and make sure that even in this quarantine, you continue to leave your mark. Talk to you next week.